the Fertility Podcast is here to help you understand more about your fertility and for the last eight years has published a lot of conversations with experts and people sharing their stories. It's now going back to its roots, giving you people's lived experiences once again to give you comfort in knowing there's a community of people who get it so you find commonality, be inspired and know you're not alone. Started by me, Natalie Silverman, a former patient, once I was pregnant after fertility treatment, I later joined forces with Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant, who is now your host. And here she is. Hello, another week and another podcast. I can't believe how quickly the two weeks go before we're back recording. Um, but we're getting to the end of the year, as I'm recording this now, at the end of November. So we've just got a couple of episodes left until we finish for this year, and then we'll be back in January. And talking of January, I'm kind of doing my planning at the moment for podcast episodes for next year. And this is a little bit of a shout out for guests. So if you have a story to tell and would like to come on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening to this because you're an expert in the field of fertility or within the industry associated with fertility, then I'd also love to hear from you and would love to feature you on the podcast. So do get in touch if if you have a story to tell or you have some interesting research or a new initiative. If you're an expert, then get in touch and we will um, have a chat because it would be great to have you on the podcast. And this is also a shout out for any industries, companies, organisations out there that would like to get a message out there to people listening to the podcast. Um, we are always looking for sponsorship the podcast because we do this literally <laughs> for love. Um, so anything that helps us a little bit, anything that helps me pay my intern to do all the editing or pay for my time and Natalie's time, then we are always really, really grateful. So if you would like to sponsor the podcast, then let me know and we can send you our sponsorship and media pack so you can have a good read of that. So that's just a little shout out because I'm in planning stage and Natalie's very impressed at the moment because I've definitely got my podcast planning hat on. So coming up with some great episodes. And, you know, if you, if you, even if you don't have, if you have a story to tell, or perhaps you don't feel like you want to come on the podcast at the moment, but would like to find out about topics, then also let me know, because if there's specific topics you'd like us to cover, then I'm really open to that. So just send me a DM on Instagram or email, email me on Kate at Your Fertility Journey. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So about today's episode then. So this is an episode where we're going to be talking about some sensitive subjects so that this is a trigger warning. So please, 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 please be aware of that. And if at the moment you're not in a great place, then perhaps put this podcast episode to one side until you're feeling as though you're in a better place. Because we are going to be talking about pregnancy loss. We're going to be talking about secondary infertility. And we're going to be talking about IVF. So if right now, pregnancy loss, talking about pregnancy loss or talking about struggling to conceive and IVF is just a bit tricky, then we're always going to be here for you. You don't have to listen today. So just a little bit of a warning. But before we get into the episode, um, I'm going to be talking to um, a lovely lady called Katie, who was actually a patient of mine 
and I've known Katie for a little while now and we've I've talked to her um, and kind of gone through her journey with her really as she has been navigating sadly pregnancy loss and struggling to conceive for the second time and also IVF. So listen in, it's a good one. There's lots of information here for you. We talk about so many different things um, and I just hope that it helps. So let's bring Katie in. Hi Katie, welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Hi Kate, how are you doing? I'm good, it's lovely to have you. It's always lovely to see your happy smiling face anyway. So thank you so much for joining me and we're going to be talking about your experiences of secondary infertility and sadly pregnancy loss. So do you want to kick off then by giving us all a little bit of a intro into what's been going on for you over the last little while? Yes. Um, it's two and a half years now, actually, over, over of not so greatness, to be honest. Yeah. So, um, so like you say, secondary infertility and loss have kind of been my life for the last two years, two and a half years. So I really have to start with Jake. I appreciate this kind of story isn't for everybody um, because secondary infertility is sometimes a little bit of a, a niche part of infertility. Um, but yeah, I had Jake in 2019. Really boring story having him, to be honest and kind of annoying slash I want to punch my old self in the face a little bit oh, <laughs> because, because um, yeah, I, I, I decided I want to have Jake. We went on holiday, we conceived, I had him. It was a great birth, a great postnatal period with Jake. We had a really fun time on maternity leave and he's a, he's a great kid. He's now four and a half. So yeah, he's, uh, he's fab. He's just gone into school. And then uh, obviously when he was about one, COVID happened. We kind of weren't sure whether when we wanted to go in for maybe having another one. We were pretty happy with the three of us during COVID. We weren't sure where the future was going of the world. Mm. Um, So we were quite happy to wait, really. Uh, End of 2020 happened. It looked like we were coming out of things and the vaccine was coming available. You know, hopefully in 2021, people won't be giving birth on their own and things like that. So we were like, okay. We're ready now um, and really expected a similar situation to, to what I had with Jake. We went went for it. I remember going to buy uh, preconception vitamins and I actually, it was like three for two and I was so, so sure of myself. Yeah. I bought one ba- one pack of preconception and two packs of the in-pregnancy ones, which now just absolutely makes Aww. me a uh, lol at myself. But why, but why, you know, I can completely understand that. For you, it happened so quickly the first time and why... Yeah. Why would it not? And I, yeah. I just want to pick up on something that you said there about this kind of niche area. And that I think sometimes when people have already existing child and they're trying to conceive again, they feel really isolated because you feel that you can't go on all the forums or the groups where people are struggling to conceive the first time around because you feel that you'll be looked at in a, in a different way. But I have a different, completely different take on that. And I think when you're, and I've probably said to, this to you before, but when you're trying to conceive, for another child you have an existing child already that your desire to have a baby is different it doesn't mean to say that it is any less or any more it's different and that difference is because when you try to conceive the first time around the desire to have a baby is for the two of you to start your family but when you try to conceive the second time around the emphasis is more on okay it's still for you you still desperately want that baby you still haven't completed your family but you also desperately want a sibling 
for Jake because you don't want Jake to grow up without that support of a sibling later on in life to to navigate all those challenges of god forbid elderly parents and all the rest of it which is probably not anywhere near on your radar yet no it comes and I've had to really work through a lot of that in the past especially the past Mm. year I think as my hope has slightly dwindled to be honest um and I've really been looking for beacons out there because I honestly do feel like yes okay Jake later on in life would be useful to have a sibling but now that whole closeness of age like being a playmate that's not going to happen Jake if he has a sibling now is going to be a good big brother that's what he'll be but it's more the later on in life I come from a big family I've got two sisters we're quite close but I know again I look at so like I say I've been looking for stories for hope out there of single children only children that have got good networks still they've got close friends and family um that they're not kind of you know isolated from communities and and are strange because there is some you know there is some science behind that and I, I search out podcasts now I search out Instagram accounts found one and done because I have to kind of get myself maybe in a position where it might be the three that of might us. be the reality yeah. do you know what Natalie has talked about that on the podcast yes. before and, yeah. she, and you probably listened to those and she talked about um the fact that she has Phoenix and actually changing mm-hmm. the narrative from saying that Phoenix is an only child that world only oh, is not yeah. very nice and and it's Jake not. and Phoenix aren't only they're they're, they're everything um and that that word is is you know again gosh we could talk and wax lyrical about the the poor words that are often used to describe a fertility journey and and certainly only child is should should not be happening anymore that word shouldn't be used absolutely it's, it's really it's a really good narrative and I I there's an analogy that I read um I can't remember which book I was reading is having primary infertility is you know you see the piece of chocolate cake and you really really want it you don't know how it's going to taste but you really want it um secondary infertility is like you've had the chocolate cake before and you want another piece because you know how good it is yeah. and 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 Sophie talked about that as well the infer- infertile midwife on your podcast mm-hmm. as well yeah. Um, and you know other people just have other children so why can't we do it but yeah mm. um so yeah that's that so I tried for a year naturally then when we when we tried for a second I'm a control freak I think I got about four or five months in I kind of was a bit worried something might be wrong so I went to my doctor and I think I was 35 by that point as well the old cutoff period um, mm. as, mm. as it seems to be out there um so my doctor did run some hormone tests always looking good do ovulate on the later side of things so but but I still know I ovulate I started acupuncture because I was just kind of like right anything I can do to help this so yeah I started getting on kind of the train then at that point of testing and things like that Um, I did some with you and I did some uh, privately through my healthcare and and everything was kind of pointing to yeah everything's okay my egg reserve wasn't amazing but it wasn't bad either and if you're ovulating every month then it doesn't really matter to be honest um so yeah and then we got to the end of the 12 months uh the crucial first 12 months and actually then christmas 2021 found out in january that she got pregnant so 12 months in i think then i'd lived in this infertile kind of lost community for 12 months and I'm all of a sudden very aware of all the things that can go wrong Mm. so I was very very anxious straight away with that pregnancy and I do think I think my gut knew that something wasn't right I hear that a lot 
Yeah, I hear that a lot, that women's intuition of just, just knowing that things, especially when you've had a, a pregnancy before and had a baby before you, exactly. sometimes it just doesn't feel quite the same. And I, yeah, I do hear that a lot. I think I think yeah. there's that female intuition that we, we don't fully understand, but I think it's really powerful. Absolutely. So, I, and I think like, I never had any sickness with Jake, but I got to eight weeks with Jake and I was exhausted. And I got to eight weeks with this baby. I think I already had an early scan and everything was like measuring a bit behind, which when I knew when I'd ovulated, I was like, mm, no, like this is how it should be now. I know this isn't a good sign. And then I think I saw a heartbeat on one scan one week. And then I insisted because it was eight weeks and I wasn't feeling anything mm. that we go for another scan. And everybody was like, oh, you're fine. Why are you overacting? And literally I got into this scan and the awful words that come out. And I'm sorry, I can't hear a heart, see a heartbeat. Um, but I just I just knew like it's yeah. a weird thing. I knew going in that it was not going to be good news and that I wasn't crazy like everybody was telling me I was. Did that female intuition kind of prepare you then for that news in some way, or was it still not the first one? No. Yeah, no, not the mm. first one, um, absolutely. Because, and then I kind of you kind of get into this thing of oh, well, my body's still my body was holding on to it. Um, they don't count private scans the NHS don't, so you have to go to the hospital and have be scanned again, and then they leave it a week before they'll help you like with any medical or surgical management I think my body then got the memo the day before I was due to go back into hospital to decide what to do next which was which was good um and and so I was able to just have pass pass the baby at home Jake was there which was quite yeah. traumatic yeah. he just got back from nursery and what he was only like two so he wanted me he was at the feet and I'm just yeah it was all pretty pretty traumatizing yeah. but actually as far as miscarriages go, this is a weird thing to say, but it was actually like, okay, um, I can honestly say that. So yeah, um, it just was a lot of mental healing afterwards. Mm. And I think before that first miscarriage, we had started to line up what clinic we might start looking at because we're aware of age. Warren was then, what, 38, 39, I think. Um, and I think... I think probably we are a bit impatient as a couple, which maybe my my lessons learned would be maybe to wait longer. But actually, again, coming to my quest for answers, all the trying in the world maybe wouldn't help me um, anyway. And all these test results that come back saying I'm ovulating, great, but I'm not sure that's my my problem actually, which I'll, I'll come to in a bit. So yeah, six six months after that miss first miscarriage, we go to the clinic and we start um, IVF. Again, actually, as far as an IVF cycle go, I think I had quite a good experience. I didn't have really any adverse reactions to the to the meds. I did the uh, long protocol, down regulation, and then stimming. Um, I, 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 the nurse says that I stimmed beautifully, which is always good to hear. I got 14 eggs, eight of which were mature. So there was quite a drop-off rate there, which scared me a lot um at that point because I was like god if we have that drop-off rate throughout the rest of the process then uh, I was a bit worried um, but actually I didn't need to worry as much so I think I got uh, six embryos and then yeah on day three six still and then on day five I had three uh, good looking embryos and then one it took to day six so I got four in the freezer of that cycle um, one was which a top grade. So we popped that one back in in November last year. Uh, so yeah, I can't believe it's nearly a year. And um, I got pregnant off that. 
which again, I know at this point isn't the end of the story. And again, I didn't really feel that anything much. I had a bit of indigestion that time, I think more, and was craving a lot of beige foods. Yeah, really strange. But uh, but yeah, not really many symptoms. And I had this horrible, horrible period actually around Christmas where I was measuring a few days behind on my scans again, not a good sign, but it was only like five days this time, which is with intolerance, as said at the clinic. But then they said, oh, we'll scan you again next week, next week. And, and oh, I did have the HCG blood draw as well, which yeah. is where they try and check it's doubling. And I, I wasn't doubling. So I kind of thought before Christmas, right, I'm going to miscarry. Went for a scan a few days before Christmas. Oh, there's a heartbeat now, but it's still measuring behind. So go through into Christmas, kind of in limbo. Have another Difficult scan. time, isn't it? Difficult really, really challenging. Well. Yeah, and then like having to be on it, like happy mom at Christmas. And, and yeah. I was. like, it's great. Jake's a great distraction, but it can be hard sometimes as well to be, to be happy, smiley when you're going through some of this stuff. Um, and it makes me worry, like, am I missing some of the best things of his life because I'm worrying about this potential other child? But I, when I'm with him, I have to say I'm really in the moment. And actually, sometimes I think this has made me a better mum in a way because of that. I'm very, very focused on him. And sometimes I worry I can be a bit intense. <laughs> um, but I do always try and give him the best the best time. And he has had all of these, you know, he's had both of us for four and a half years. It's been great for him. He's loved it. Like, <laughs> yes. So uh, it gets after Christmas. I have another scan just to check everything. And yeah, it wasn't good news. Um, but the heartbeat mm-hmm. had stopped again. And that was like the first week of January, so not how you want to start a, a, a new no. year. Uh, yeah, that was this. That was that was this year. Yeah, um, and uh, and 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 that time, my body again didn't get the memo, so I went to the hospital. And a week later, I went back in again, um, and they helped me with some medical management at that time. Which again, it was all very straightforward for me after that medical management. And that's good to hear that your ex- your experiences of pregnancy loss although emotionally the impact is huge but the actual physical side of it has been something that you've been able to deal with that's good to and my that. hospital I will say I know you hear some horror stories about how women are treated in the hospital um Derby have been nothing but great um that's with great. me and you know that whole thing of people saying they get put in a room with other people having scans that are not like I've experienced none of that like they've always yeah. put me in a separate room if I needed to but I feel quite resilient now so I'm always like well I'm fine <laughs> um yeah. but yeah they've always been really good and they check in on me as well and they've even offered me a bereavement midwife a counseling even Good. though like I've you know I've not been to full term and but the, and they they check on me as well and I'm just like look I've got her number now and if she says you know we've got a pregnancy after loss if you ever get to that group as well and so they've they've been really good we are delighted that this week's podcast is once again sponsored by our friends at the lowdown so the lowdown started as a contraceptive review platform as its founder, Alice, had struggled for years with side effects from her contraceptive method, yet she couldn't find anyone talking about their experiences. Then, a bit later on, when she struggled to start her family, Alice set about creating a safe space for women to talk about the ups and downs of trying to conceive. So what you'll find with the lowdown is real, open and honest fertility experiences from people at all different stages of their journey. So it could be from the fertility curious to people who have been through their own trying to conceive journey and IVF. 
You can also browse reviews on different treatments. So what the NHS or private routes are like, what it's like having a medical condition that impacts on fertility and so much more. It's a place where you can also support others by leaving comments or review or asking questions. We know just how powerful the Trying to Conceive community is. And this platform is powered by people just like you, who might also be finding it hard to navigate this often isolating and confusing life stage. So whatever stage you're at, you're not alone. So why not connect with others and advocate along with us for more transparency in the fertility space? To find out more, visit thelowdown.com. That's really good. And hopefully, because obviously, as you know, the the new pregnancy review um, came out a few months ago, and hopefully we're going to start seeing changes nationally that women who experience miscarriage are going to have more care which yeah. is which is fantastic and it should be the way that it is so as I know you and I know that you're incredibly determined you've kind of you're on this quest to find out why yeah. implantation or why you're having pregnancy loss why implantation isn't happening you know all you're on on this mission I am how how has that been for you has it been hard to advocate for yourself I don't find it hard to advocate for myself. I find it hard to find the right knowledge to not go off on a complete tangent and to trust the right people. Because what I'm finding is each doctor or professor has got a very individualized um, view of what you should yeah. be testing with miscarriage and, and implantation failure. And someone yeah. at this one clinic will believe something else. And then they'll go, oh, that, that other person in this field is just not right. And I'm like, you're all telling me different things here. Like, what is the truth? So yeah, that's been my challenge. Yeah, yeah, and I think when when obviously clinicians are going to have different experiences, different knowledge base, they'll have done different research, they'll have seen different things in their clinic, and therefore you get this difference of opinion, which can be helpful in many ways to have a second opinion or to look at things in a, in a fresh, different way. But equally, it can be so confusing when one clinician is telling you something and yeah. then another clinician yeah. is telling you something else. So yeah. I completely understand and also that. like I'm I'm in a community now of women. Um, a reoccurring loss and there's a there's an excellent group on on Facebook and and there really are warriors that have been through it all and you see you see their stories and I know that you know you get quite niche in those populations but these things are working on them that that you know people are saying don't do and they have 11 Mm. losses and then they'll try a protocol that's got some of this stuff in that people are saying don't do and it works so it's Mm. it's really hard I've had like the full like reoccurring loss panel. I had that after my second loss, like clotting and thyroid and vitamin D, all fine on that front. So then went into next transfer, my third, my third then loss. Um, but I didn't even, so I didn't even get to six weeks with that one. And so my gut then at that point is telling me um, something else is going on here. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't your normal stuff that you mm-hmm. find. Like you know, like say someone's got a low progesterone or something like that. Um, so I then take myself off to the implantation clinic in Coventry where they do tests for UNK cells. Again, there's some people that say that's not the thing to do. There's some people say you have to have it in your blood flow. Like God, I just thought I'd try something because I had a feeling that this natural killer cell stuff was probably what's going on with me. And I I have done some research that said women with secondary infertility, especially um, if they're not getting pregnant again, 
it's because of and, and you know everything else is looking fine it could be because of that instantly yeah my results came back and everything else is looking fine in my womb like with my endometrial cells and receptivity so that's good but the doctor had said actually he's never seen such a tilt to then towards the high high nk cells um so yeah i'm going on my next transfer so my third embryo now oh and i know my my last loss was genetically normal as well and it was a little girl which is frustrating and I've had these conversations on the podcast before so frustrating you get the genetic testing thinking well that's fine everything's great it's genetically normal have the the embryo transfer and then yeah really frustrating so wishing you massive amount of good luck with your next cycle I know that kind of the thought of you know okay I've got these embryos in the freezer um, and I'm now using them and it's that they're your insurance policy aren't they they're Mm -hmm. they're there so then you get a little bit anxious about dwindling that supply that's in the freezer. How does that feel yeah. for you? Are you anxious about that? Yeah, I really am. And I think now I'm getting into my third embryo. Like, obviously, the other two are better. I know the last one from the test and the tissue was normal. At 36, when I had them retrieved, how many more are going to be normal out of that batch? Yeah. And that's what worries me. And I know day sixes have a lesser chance, but there is no way I am putting two in at once with the fact that, unfortunately, my body tends to be killing these babies. Do you know what I mean? We pay for a three-cycle package, but there is absolutely no way I want to keep... I I don't know how people do it, but I don't really want to do another egg retrieval. I think it's because I've had four embryos. Don't really want to do an egg retrieval, another one. I may do if I get to the end of the four... And it looks like we're getting somewhere with the drugs that I'm going on and stuff. But I'm, I'm kind of throwing the kitchen sink at this next transfer. But That's yeah, understandable. I, I just have this fear that this next one isn't going to be the one. And it was the last one that was the one, but my body killed it. Like, it's really hard. Yeah, it's not nice. And, you know, there you're, you said twice there, you know, my body is killing these embryos. Isn't it awful that we put that blame on ourselves? It's awful, isn't yeah. it? That, and, and those words are so, you know, the, the, the terminology NK cells, natural killer cells. Gosh, you know, a bit like we were saying earlier, this this narrative needs to change. And, and, and yeah. until it, whilst it doesn't and whilst it's there, we'll continue to put this guilt on us. Absolutely. But thank you so much, Katie, for sharing your story. And I'm sure everyone listening is going to be crossing their fingers and joining me and wishing you all the best in, in what is now a very precious embryo that you're going to be popping back. And I, I really hope yes. that it, it goes well for you. But before I let you go, given everything that you've been through, what one piece of advice could you give to somebody who's potentially on the same path as you or on the precipice of the same path of you as you? Or what one thing would you have done differently had you known differently way back when yeah the, the what, what i known differently that's a really tricky one because honestly like you're never going to do like full immune testing at the beginning of everything but you almost wonder why not because you're spending like thousands of pounds on IVF and actually then to do another test that just checks some of these things could be a really good answer but I don't think you're going to do that I think for me is like trust your gut so your gut knows that um sorry my northernness is coming out when I say gut um (laughs) your gut knows um that I I just know I knew that something wasn't right with this stuff and I Mm. knew all the normal tests were going to come back fine I think I think my body the otherwise is doing what it's supposed to do um but yeah and just keep keep driving for it use people around you to 
you know, find the knowledge. And it's scary going into the knowledge of it all sometimes because there's so much out there, like I say, how do you trust that? Someone goes to this mm. person for this test, but actually, you know, I've had to just weigh things up, do pros and cons lists, like kind of work through it from a logical perspective once I've trusted that, no, actually this answer is not the right one or I've got to keep digging for this. Um, and that's, so, that's how I've yeah. done it. Brilliant. So great advice. Trust your gut, find out what's available out there, get knowledgeable on it and then make your decision, which is your decision, which is based on what is best for you as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's hard. And, and, you know, I was reading a blog uh, from a lady the other day who went down the full kind of immune testing. She says, I know this isn't for everybody because it's all private and it all costs money, which is really, really sad as well. So we've just had to you know, save up for things and do them. And that's why it's took me like a year to do two transfers. Um, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, well, best of luck, Katie. Honestly, I'm, I'm massively rooting for you. Um, and yeah, I'll be hoping hoping to hear good news in the very near future. But thank you so much for your On The Fatigue podcast. Really appreciate you spending the time and talking about your journey so far. It's been really interesting. Thank you. Thanks, Kate. Speak to you soon. Well, I hope you found Katie's story about how she is dealing with and has dealt with secondary infertility and pregnancy loss and IVF useful. She kind of talked about the need to find commonality through joining different support groups and Instagram communities. So I'm hoping that that, if you're going through a similar path, um, that this has helped you a little bit as well. I asked Katie when we went, when we finished the podcast, what the Facebook group was that she mentioned. And she tells me that it's called UK Recurrent Miscarriage Support Group and then semicolon Storms and Rainbows. So if you want to look for that on Facebook, then there's the information for you. And um, I hope that you find it a supportive community in the way that Katie does too. I also want to pick up on a couple of things that Katie mentioned. She talked about NK cells or natural killer cells um, and you may or may not know that this is one of the tests that can be done looking at kind of immune side of things particularly for women with um, recurrent pregnancy loss or um, poor implantation but it's important to note that uh, NK cell testing is still red traffic light with the HFEA meaning that it doesn't have the randomized control trials to support its use so it's really important if you are thinking about uh, what is technically an IVF add-on that you ask the questions of your doctor to find out what the benefits are and also what the, the potential side effects or disadvantages are because often many of these IVF add-ons, NK cell testing being one of them, do have advantages and benefits and it's important for you to understand that so that you can make an informed decision. Katie also mentioned about the debate surrounding uterine NK cell testing and blood testing. Um, and certainly there does seem to be of an opinion that the uterine testing is better than the, the blood testing. And the blood testing might not actually be an effective way of identifying NK cells. So it's just something to think about. Also, Katie also mentioned about HCG testing, and I just wanted to bring that up in case you weren't aware of that. So HCG stands for human chorionic gondotrophin, and that's the hormone that is present in the bloodstream when you conceive. And Katie mentioned that this level should 
double every 48 hours, which is which is absolutely true. And so some women may decide to ask their GP for that testing in early pregnancy to make sure that the levels are developing correctly. And this is particularly important, I think, for women who have um, undergone recurrent miscarriage in the past. It gives you that reassurance that things are going in the in the right way. It can also be used to identify if you um, have a positive pregnancy test, but on scan, you can't locate a pregnancy and there's the potential risk of an extra uterine or an ectopic pregnancy. So HCG levels might be used as testing then. So I just wanted to explain those things because there's a couple of words that Katie used that you might not be familiar with. So that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we would love a rate and review. I love nothing more than hearing and reading about what you think to the podcast so please let me know and I'm always up for ideas I think I mentioned it before I'm going to keep mentioning it if you've got any ideas of topics that you'd like to cover then you can either find me on Instagram your fertility nurse send me a DM or you can email me on kate at your fertility journey and let me know what you'd like me to cover and I will do it so bye for now see you again in a couple of weeks Please do rate and review the podcast as it's brilliant for other people to know what you think. Even just hitting follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast really helps other people know it's worth a listen. Also follow Kate on her Insta, which is Your Fertility Nurse. And if you'd like to book in a consultation with Kate to understand more about your fertility and reproductive health, visit yourfertilityjourney.com. 